Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hello and welcome to Money Tips. This is Charles Kelly bringing you money tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate and enjoy more money. I'm the author of the book Yes Money Can Buy You Happiness and was a financial advisor for over 25 years working for banks, uh, insurance companies and for myself when I run my own IFA practice. IFA stands for Independent Financial Advisor. Uh, and yeah, I, I've sat in front of literally you know, thousands of people and gone through their their financial situation and they've told me things that they would not even tell their own family because you know in the UK we don't discuss money oh it's a it's almost like a a forbidden subject you can't discuss money in the UK you can't talk about how much you earn or anything like that it's all very um I'd, I'd say very we are very reserved here that's the word I'm looking for we are we are very reserved in the UK and we, we just don't discuss uh, money and to, even to the extent that, you know, when when somebody dies, it's it's often a big, big uh, a big shock that uh, they've left some money or they didn't have any money. It, it, there's all sorts of things uh, that that come out after somebody dies. Anyway, that's that's just an aside. But uh, what I wanted to talk about today is uh, people that open up shops in the high street. And yeah, this this coronavirus situation has highlighted the fact that. It's very difficult to, to open a shop and keep it going. And yet shops still seem to be opening, maybe not this minute, but up until a few weeks ago, people were still opening up shops. These are startup businesses, new businesses with a business often that is is already in the high street, maybe three times over, like um, mobile phone repair shops, which has a big shop and they sell all of these mobile phone cases and, and accessories that are not actually apple approved and they're just copy accessories not even that cheap sometimes and you've got a guy sitting there on a counter maybe staring at his laptop or or just twiddling his thumbs all day and you think well how do they stay in business well the answer is most of them don't stay in business because i mean why would you open up a shop doing something when there's three other shops within a few hundred yards doing the same thing and and then you're going to open up a shop uh and and pay cost well in, in the street i'm talking about it, this is not like a uh, an oxford street or a kensington high street this but the street the, the rent will be 25 to thirty thousand pounds a year and you if you add business rates to that um you're into maybe forty thousand then if you add uh your, your bills and your uh, waste disposal and, and these costs you're up to fifty thousand easily before you've even paid any staff Okay, you might say, well, I'm not going to pay any stuff. I'm just going to run it all myself and do all the cleaning and everything and stay here 12 hours a day, six, seven days a week myself. I'm not going to employ anybody. So you're still into £1,000 a week, 50000 a year, £1,000 a week. Before you've opened up in the morning, you've got to pay £1,000 a week in costs. So how many £10 cases have you got to sell to pay that? How many you know, £20 repairs have you got to do? on a phone every week just to pay your costs well the answer is a lot you know 50 to 100 hundreds of small items and i don't see anybody in these shops 
Um, you know, and then you compare that with a guy, that another guy I've seen that there's a market uh, that that runs once a week, twice a week actually, and, and on a Saturday there's a there's a small market. Um, it's not a huge market, you know, market store. So people come along, they set up a store, and 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 this guy does does the same thing. He does. Um, phone repairs, little cases, accessories I've used them myself or unlocking phones, whatever that is. And, uh, and all these sorts of stuff. And, and he comes on and he's, he's got people there all the time. I can see he's busy. There's this stuff going on. There's activity. What does he pay? 20 pounds, 30 pounds to have, have that stall. You know, his cost for a whole year is probably less than the guy with the shop. It pays in a week. Now, how do you think this shop's going to survive? You know, it's just, it's just, absolutely crazy stupid to open shops and yet i still see people doing it um and that's not the only kind of shops you see people opening all sorts of shops um you know i'm, I'm just trying to think of examples but um you know it, i i can just see that these shops are just not going to last ice cream parlors i mean every I mean, we have nine months of cold rainy weather here and people are opening an ice cream site big double fronted shops probably the cost of them is it's just enormous. You know, maybe the rent's 50,000, pounds. They've had to spend 100, 150,000 pounds kitting it out. You know, come on, how much ice cream have you got to sell uh, to, to, to pay for that? And I look in these shops and I think, oh my God, you know, um, uh, things like, and then there's another sort of juice shop. They, they, they sell juice. They've got a shop, um, always empty. There's a girl who sits on a chair outside smoking. I mean, that, that's not exactly appetizing anyway, but I've never seen a customer in there now, either these shops, if, if they last for more than a couple of years, and I think they're just a front for something, there must be a front for money laundering or something, because I can't see how they do enough business to pay the rent. Um, even big companies, I've seen, you know, Frankie and Benny's go, go out of business. Uh, they, they spent a lot of money on a place. Mod Pizza, for instance. Now, they opened up a big store, a, new, a newly built store in the high street. It was rebuilt uh, I mean, God knows what they spent to to kit this place out. It looks like a two hundred and fifty thousand pound spend, maybe to get that business started, maybe a half a million. Uh, and you know, they've got a lot of staff in there, or they had a lot of staff because they're not there anymore. And you know, they did good pizzas, but the, the, you could get a pizza and pick out all the ingredients. You could add any toppings you wanted, so you could pile up your pizza with toppings. They they do it for you there in about eight minutes, and uh, it was great. Seven pounds. Wow, seven pounds. They've got to sell a lot of seven pound pizzas to pay the cost of running that business. Because I think even running that business is, I mean, they've got a lot of staff. So maybe 200,000, 250 a year. They've got to sell a lot of stuff. And then they don't even sell coffee. I said, why don't you sell coffee? Well, that's our system. We're a franchise. We can't sell coffee. You can go next door in Starbucks and buy a coffee and bring it in and, and, and drink it there. That is bonkers. Anyway, it was a good place. The music was a bit loud, but um it, it was a great pizza i love the pizza there but they've gone and they've only been there uh maybe a year or two a couple of years and gone literally gone out gone i don't know if the whole company's gone out of business but they've gone and it was a great but i'm really sad for them i'm not gloating over this i'm sad that these shops come and go now if you compare that operation with a, a takeaway pizza operation maybe in a much smaller premises or maybe in a an industrial unit now even where they've got kitchens and industrial units and a team of bikers ready to deliver pizzas all over the place. I mean, pizza, pizza, um, uh, there's another pizza place. And it's not pizza express. It's uh pizza hut. I've got a very small half size shop uh, in a, in a cheaper part of the high street. 
and they've been there for years. They're, they're still thriving. There's bikes buzzing and around in, in and out of there. But in actual fact, you know, there's four, five pizza places in, in the high street. I, I don't know how many more you can get in there and, and, and be sustainable. Uh, now, some shops, you, you do need some shops, hairdressers, nail bars. They seem to be doing OK. Uh, but to, if you've got a business idea, and you think, well, I'm going to open up a shop. I'm going to have a computer repair shop and, and open up or a phone repair shop or, or, or this business or that business then I'd say think very, very carefully. If you've got loads of your own money, if you've come into a big inheritance, you've won the lottery and you want to open up a shop, go for it. But don't borrow other people's money that you're never going to be able to pay back and do it. Don't take somebody else's hard-earned cash like your mum, your dad, your, your grandparents and say, I've got this great idea, I'm going to open up a shop. Think about whether you can do this business without a shop. And, and in nine times out of 10, you can do businesses without business without a shop. Look, look what Amazon are doing to the high street. Even before this, this coronavirus, Amazon were crushing the high street. You know, you think of companies like Debenhams being in trouble. British home stores went out of business. House of Fraser been going, what, decades, maybe 100 years out of business. Uh, and, and now Debenhams have gone into administration and lots of big companies are suffering. Maplins went out of business last year. I can't even think of all the shops that, you know, that have gone out of business. Big change with big money. Now, if, if, they, if they can't survive in the high street, how are you going to survive? Now, if you have to have a shop, why not look at maybe a secondary part of, of the high street? Um, you know, maybe there are pl places where you've got secondary high streets. They're not main busy thoroughfares, but they are places where you have shops. You have maybe a newsagent, uh, a food store um, and, and a hairdressers. And then, you know, the rents, there are usually half the price. Uh, and, you know, you could set up your phone repair shop there because the people who live around those sort of areas might be, uh, you know, on a, say, on a council estate or something like that might be more inclined to use a shop that repairs a phone rather than people who've got loads of money and just, you know, throw it away and, and order a new one. Or could you consider doing that type of business in, in a shop that's already there? Sometimes you've got a big shop, like a big post office, and you could say to that post office, well, you've got your post office over there and, and you've got your little news agent bit here. Give me this corner of the shop and I'll do phone repairs and I'll unlock people's phones for money and that sort of thing. Now, that makes sense to me because then you haven't got all the costs and they'll, they'll rent a part of the shop to you and you haven't got all the setup costs and all the rest of it. But the best thing to do really is to do your business online and you don't have to invent your own website. You've got websites like Shopify and Amazon that have got it all there for you and, and, and you can do this and, and sell your goods that you don't even have to manufacture yourself and you can you can do everything online without having a shop. And then if the business fails, then maybe it's failed because, you know, you're either not a good business person or the product you were selling didn't have much of a market anyway. And this is the other thing people do. They, they think I've got this product and I've talked to my mum, my dad and my sister and they think it's a great idea. So I'm going to launch this business and put my life savings in it and into it or my, my redundancy money and, and put it in there and and then hope for the best. Well, with Amazon, you've got tried and tested methods of of uh, finding out through their research and through their sales figures which products actually sell rather than, say, open up a shop and buying a load of stock and then finding, whoa, it doesn't sell, but nobody wants this stuff. Well, if you, if you use systems that are already in place there for you and you don't have to reinvent the wheel, then maybe you could have uh, uh, had more success uh, and and use the Amazon system than just trying to guess what might sell. 
by, by talking to a few of your friends and relatives. Because if you say to a few friends and relatives, well, I'm going to start this business, they don't want to hurt your feelings and say, by the way, the idea is crap. And, and you you know, this product is a load of rubbish and no one's going to buy it. They'll say, oh, yes, yes, I'm sure you'll do well. Yeah, go for it, you know, or go for it. Yes. Uh, and then then six months later, they tell, when you're out of business, they say, oh, I didn't think that was a very good idea anyway. Well, why didn't you tell me at the time? Well, I didn't want to hurt your feelings, you know. So just just be careful when you started a business. I, I think the safest way is to do, to do it online. And, you know, even look at companies like Barclays. Yesterday, I said that Barclays are rethinking the whole office environment as more and more people are able to work from home on Zoom conferencing. Uh, so so if, if Barclays are even thinking about that, then, then you've got to think about it as well. Instead of signing long leases for if you need an office, go to one of these serviced offices where you can sign a, a rental agreement for one or two months and, and not don't sign leases. Leases are uh, disastrous for you, especially a new business, especially where you've got a personal guarantee. So if you don't pay that, if you've got a business, that the landlord's going to still come to you and say, I want my rent. I don't care whether you're in business or not. I want my rent. I've got a personal guarantee signed by you and I will go after you personally for that, that rent. And landlords will, in some cases, bankrupt people and take their house away to get the rent that they're missing because people can't pay the leases on a, on a shop. And this is sometimes, even though you might have a limited company, the landlord might say, no, we want a personal guarantee. Be very careful about signing personal guarantees, by the way. They are the quickest way to the bankruptcy court, uh, believe me. Um, you know, you're not going to find Richard Branson signing a personal guarantee. If, if, if some of his businesses fail, like his vodka or his uh, French uh, virgin store in France, when they when they went down and went into administration owing 20 million, do you think Richard Branson had to pay that money out? No, he's not signing a personal guarantee. No way. He doesn't even use his own money most of the time. So just so, so that's that's my tip for today. Don't open bloody shops. They They are. The, the, the quickest way to losing all of your savings. And, you know, and a lot of people who are self-employed are often, I'd, I'd say, almost buying themselves a job. They're paying a lot of money to get into business. Sometimes they're buying some ropey old franchise and, and all they're doing is buying themselves a job. When you actually have worked out how many hours they're working every week and, and all, all the hours they're spending at night doing their VAT and their payroll and paying their taxes and working for the government and, and then having all the stress of it, you know, if you actually work out their hourly rate and what they're earning, they're probably earning less than a bus driver or some, some guy delivering for Tesco's. They're probably on less than minimum wage. So don't buy yourself a job. Go and get a job uh, if, if, if you really want to. It, it's, it's very, very difficult um, starting up these kinds of business where you have to pay a lot of money to get into it, like, like a franchise. You know, I knew a guy years ago uh, that, that had one of these uh, KFC type chicken places, but it wasn't KFC. I think it was called Southern Fried Chicken. It was a, a ripoff of KFC, but he, he got away with it and, and everyone knew it wasn't KFC, but he owned the business and he, he owned the name. So he, he sold franchises for it. Now, what he would do is buy a freehold shop. So it was a, it was a property business, essentially. He'd buy a freehold shop like, like McDonald's do. And then he would sell the person on the, buying the franchise uh, a lease, maybe 10, 15 year as a lease, and they would have to pay that money to him. So he's got the freehold. Let's say for argument's sake, he bought the freehold for 100,000 and he needed 30,000 pounds to put down to borrow the money from the bank. Okay, where is he going to get that 30,000 pounds from? From the franchisee. 
the franchisee would pay £30,000 to buy the, the franchise to get the train in, how to fry chicken, uh, and then uh, and and maybe a premium on the lease. Because in those days, you could get premiums on shop leases. So the guy who's buying the franchise is paying the £30,000, is enabling my friend to buy the shop freehold, right? And then he owes 70000 to the bank and, and he got his £30,000 deposit from the franchisee. Is that clever or what? Then... The people are then running the shop. They're the ones working seven days a week in the shop to pay the rent and buy the stock from my friend, who's also getting paid to, for the stock and, and for the, the special uh, fried chicken with the special secret recipe. He buys it from him. And then in addition, he gets a percentage of their turnover. What a great business. He gets a percentage of their turnover. I don't know what the percentage was. Let's say 10, 15%. So whatever they're doing, whether they've made a profit or not, he gets his percentage. Now, um, no wonder he drove a massive, great big car and he lived in Chigwall uh, in a massive, you know, multi-million pound house. And then I said to him, okay, what if the people then can't pay their rent? The business has failed. He said, no problem. Just get them out. <laughs> We've revoked the lease, revoked the agreement. You're failing. And, and then he says he then goes in himself and and gets the business going. He builds it up. Uh, I, I don't know how he does it. He just knows what he's doing or he sends somebody in to build it up. And then when it's built up and it's thriving again, it's a trade in concern. He sells another franchise and gets another lease signed by somebody else. I mean, that it just showed me what, what a great idea it was. And, and also the fact that the guy buying the franchise is the one working all the hours and he sits at home saying, great, now where's my next shop going to come from? That, that's that's the business model in, in a bit of a nutshell there. OK, um, I, I'm perhaps uh, skimming over a lot of the details and it took him a long time to build that up. But I, I always thought what a great business. I always thought that sometimes people buying these franchises are spending a fortune. Like I've seen someone open an ice cream franchise and and uh, for a well-known company. And that was, and they only lasted a year or two. They were gone. You know, basking, basking, baking, baking baskins or something like that. Uh, but, you know, forget it. I mean, McDonald's franchises do do well, but it's the same kind of system. They buy the freehold and you pay maybe half a million pounds just to get into business. And now McDonald's may be uh, an example of a franchise that does work for people. But most of these franchises are, are just uh, not, not that great. You know, let's face it. You know, you get... Um, a car cleaning franchise. Here's your area. Yes, here's your area. You've got uh, this postcode. They make it sound like they own the area. They don't own the area. Uh, I'll give you another example. Another guy had a a, a tune up tune up franchise. He had a he had to buy their their, their quick tune or something like that. Uh, tuning up cars and repairing cars. He, he they you know you 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 pay. I think 15,000, his wife had a redundancy payment. They, they bought this franchise and they were given an area of, of North London. Here's your area. Here's your postcodes. Every inquiry that comes in uh, is, is yours, you know, so, so they're, they're going to generate leads for him. This guy, he, he was a mechanic. He worked all the hours God sent and his, his hands were always greasy. His fingernails were always greasy. Never actually got clean ever, ever I don't think. He worked out in the winter under cars. It was a terrible job. And that, that was going OK. So they were making a living, um, but he'd probably be better off just working for Quick Fit. Uh, anyway, they were making a living. So what did he do? He bought another franchise. He bought two of them. He then bought this, this one. And he said, I'm going to double my business. I'm buying another postcode. Well, he could barely 
even working all the hours God sent, he could barely manage one postcode, but he bought another postcode. And that, that, that's where it all really went wrong then. Because um, if this guy got sick, no one was 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 working for him. And I think his idea was he was going to employ somebody, but it didn't work out. Uh, anyway, Quick Fit bought the business. They owned this tune-up business. And in the end, they just stitched everybody up. All the people that had the franchises, they, they just stitched up because they eventually through some sleight of hand, moved all the business into quick fit or they couldn't get the updates that they needed for the software. There was, there was something. Anyway, they, they screwed everybody, believe me. Um, and and he, he just lost everything. He's still a mechanic. He's still out there. At least it's his own business now. Um, and but, it, but he's still working, but he doesn't have to pay all the franchise fees to to tune, what are they called? Tune something. Uh, does anyone know what they're called? Quick tune, uh, tune up, something like that. Uh, Anyway, that's just another example. So be, be very careful with these type of franchises and opening up shops. Anyway, that, that's all I'll go on about my rant about franchises. Uh, in the other news today, the EU economy is now in crisis. It's been admitted by the European Union, uh, shrinking at the fastest rate ever. And they plan to introduce a stimulus, basically means printing money, lending money to banks to get the economy moving. Uh, we'll see how that works. But all of these stimuluses and these loans... Uh, some of which will be, I believe, taken fraudulently by businesses. They're going to use this as to get hold of money from the government on government-backed schemes. A lot of this money is going to disappear. And it's not the government's money. It's our money. It's taxpayers' money. And that's going to be paid not just by you and me, but it's going to be paid for by our children and our grandchildren for generations to come. This, this crisis, if we don't end it soon, if we don't get people back to work and get this country back to work, is going to bankrupt the country. We're already bankrupt technically, but you can't go bankrupt as a country. If it was a business, it would have been put into administration and, and gone bankrupt already. But because they can keep printing money, it never actually goes bankrupt. But, th th you know, this, this is going to ruin us and, and ruin our generation and the next generation, the generation after. So what I say to the government is get the economy back moving. Stop talking about the R rate and this rate and that rate. Just get the bloody thing out and moving again and, uh, you know, uh, and, and get things moving. The, the government are completely repeatedly asked what does it take to get the economy back moving again and they talk about these five vague tests with words like confidence and we've got to see that we have it sufficient and supply and all this it's nothing technical there and they were asked directly on on the uh news today on, on the on the conference today uh the r now the r is the uh the, the rate at which you pass on the disease to, to other people. So if it's one, if you get it, you're, you're likely to pass it on to one other person. Now that our rate is down to 0.6, the journalist asked, what does it need to be before you'll, you'll release the lockdown and, and stop this lockdown? They wouldn't answer it. They just said, well, it's not just a question of the R rate. It's something else now. Uh, so, and, and Elon Musk has had a rant about this as well. Elon Musk in America, the, the inventor of Tesla, I think he started PayPal. He said that, you know, I think he used the word you can't keep goddamn people and, you know, uh, it, it locked in their home. And this is ridiculous. And you're taking away their freedom. Then he says, actually, you're also stopping me producing Teslas. That's all he's worried about. He's not worried about our freedom. He's just worried about his Tesla production line being stopped. But lots of people and the Washington Post said today that this lockdown is the biggest hoax in history. The Washington Post. This is not some mad uh, uh YouTuber or David Icke. And David Icke's been saying this for a while, but this is the Washington Post saying that 
Um, we've got to get the economy moving. This is a big host, more hoax, more people are going to die through not having cancer treatment and heart treatment than, than through this disease. And that by keeping people in and ke keeping everything disinfected, you're actually reducing your own immunity to this disease. So my, my, I keep saying this, let's get back to work. Let's get the economy moving again before we all go bust and bankrupt. Uh, and uh, that's all I'll say about that. Now, some people have asked me, how do you start a podcast? Well, if, you, if you're interested in, in starting a podcast, and podcasts are, are really booming in the world at the moment. Uh, lots of big celebrities are running podcasts, but anybody can start a podcast. And there's a seminar tonight. It's a free seminar. You can go on it. Uh, I, I use this company to, to train on, on podcasting. Uh, believe it or not, I've had training on podcasting. But just you know, you, what equipment to use, you know, what kind of mics to use, what recording equipment to use. I use one of these, um, uh, a Zoom recorder. And yeah, you can learn about this on this this um, this this seminar tonight webinar. I think it starts in about uh, about an hour's time. So I'll put the link up. And if you want to join it, just join. It's free to join. You don't have to buy any products from them. Um, but just just have a look at that if you want to get into podcasting. So so thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me today on Facebook Live. Tracy, Joel, uh, Des, uh, and and others. Heskey, yeah. Uh, th thanks for joining me. And do check out my, if you want to listen to my podcast, just subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And that's all I can say for now. Thanks for listening. Have a good evening. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 